This is a reading from the book of John. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Amen. Amen. We are expecting to receive today, aren't we? (laughs) Pastor Grant's mic is on. But we are expecting this morning, we're expecting to hear from him to receive a good word in season this morning. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've been doing a series on, um, uh, we've started a series on love, love perfected or perfected by love. All year, we've felt led to, um, I can tell you're tempted. <laughs> that's not a fleshly temptation, that's a spiritual. And uh, all year, we've felt, uh, I, I've, we've felt led of, the, of God to um, have a year. Yay! Now, who's going to get the faith food? And see, it's not as scary as when I'm here as when Chloe's here. Um, so, um, all year, we've... Been, we've, we've been led to teach on discipleship, and so we started what, what it means to be a disciple. The last term, we were on uh, how you can know the will of God. And this, this term, we're focusing on love because love is the, the perfect end or the perfection to being a disciple. And uh, that's one reason, too, why we're, we're doing that series on Wednesday nights. It's an interesting, uh, it's a great reading. We're all very fond of that reading. Everyone loves the reading from John 8, uh, uh, 1 to 11. You may have noticed in your Bible as you're reading along, there's brackets around it. There's a little bit of controversy with this reading. And there was controversy in the first century and second century. Church historians tell us that uh, some of the early church pastors and ministers wanted it left out because they believed that it would encourage people to sin. And little did they know that love and grace doesn't encourage you to sin, it empowers you not to sin. And so uh, there is some question as to which part it should then there. There's very little question that it was actually a historical count of what Jesus did. And it, I, it, I don't want you to be discouraged or um, in any way have your, fa- your faith actually should be strengthened by this. But most of the Gospels, the genre of the time, they would often piece together events topically. 
And so not normally did they do it linearly. In the same way, <laughs> you know, if Linda asked me what I, I did during the day or what I did for the week, and, and I might just tell her topically, you know, and some people like it told linearly. Linearly, is linearly a word? Linearly, thank you. Um, so, uh, so the Gospels often, they might divide it up in topics, and that's why sometimes it doesn't quite line up where Jesus did what. And that's all right, because that was the genre, that was the historical genre of the time. But this account is of a woman who was caught in adultery in the very act. And some of the things, uh, one of the things which uh, interests me about this account is at the very end, the expectation that Jesus has to go and sin no more. And it's interesting because uh, you know and I know and most people know that when habits have become habitual, especially some sort of habits, that they're, they're extremely hard to break. So what was it uh, in the natural? What was it in that circumstance, in that situation that allowed her or gave her um, the strength so that Jesus could give the expectation that she was to sin no more. The other thing that's very interesting about it is that Jesus was challenged by the law. So the Pharisees said to Jesus, the law says this. And Jesus responded in love. Well, Jesus was no sinner. And yet he didn't insist that the law be fulfilled. Love, the scriptures say, says, is the fulfillment of the law. And so in, in demonstrating and exercising love in that situation, he actually fulfilled the work of the law. What the law could not do. The law will make people a sinner, but the law doesn't give the strength to overcome sin. Faith, grace, and love, the three things. They're the things that give us strength to live a victorious life. So it's a wonderful story. And we use it by way of illustration to look what happens when cold, hard legalism meets the love of God. And I know which side of the, of the page I want to be on. I'd rather meet a loving God than an angry, legalistic God. Amen? So we're doing this series on, on love because love is the perfection of, of uh, love is the perfect sign of maturity. We have a need for love. We have a need for the love of God. Everyone knows we have the need for love. Uh, but it's also the sign of a mature Christian. Flip with me, uh, if you've got your Bibles, to 1 John 4. And we'll read from 12 and 18, 1 John 4, 12. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. Perfected there means matured. It's bearing fruit. So we at the moment haven't seen God haven't seen God. But if God abides in us, then love will be the fruit. Love will be the perfect work of God abiding in us. 
And then verse 14. Was it 14? 18 verse 18. Thank you. It says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. If we're afraid of being judged, if we're afraid of being critiqued by God, if we think He's angry at us, then we don't really know His love for us. Love is made mature in our lives. Love bears fruit in our lives when we've learned to overcome fear. Fear of being judged by people, fear of being judged by man, fear of being judged by, by God. And then flip over to, uh, flip, just move back a page to 1 John 3, verse 14. It says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now, who knows, who knows that sometimes looking at just, Look around you. Sometimes we need a supernatural love to love some of the people sitting next to us. But we know we've passed from death to life when love begins to be manifest. I love it. We know. I love that expression. We know. Now, that doesn't mean you're not saved if you're not loved. It just means you're not living in it. It just means that salvation has... Do we need a chair for this lady over here? You're good? Okay, thank you. So we, we know that love is being perfected or made mature for us when we're able to love the brethren. Now that doesn't necessarily mean like them. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know, that you've got to be best friends with them. But it means that down in here, you want what's best and you're prepared to give what's best for those around you. And if we're living in that, we're living in life. If we're not living in that, the word abides means living in it we're living in death so the love walk is the the mature the maturation the perfection the fruit of the mature spirit-filled christian now we're a pentecostal church well as in we believe in in the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit amongst other things uh, and all that comes with it um but uh very often churches will uh, give the impression that the sign of a mature Christian is someone who's, who's working in, in, in signs and wonders, someone who's talking in tongues, someone who's prospering financially, someone who's got all these outward signs of a mature Christian. But the Bible says the sign of a perfected, matured Christian is their love walk. Now, we have conferences on signs and wonders. Who's no conferences on signs and wonders? We've seen conferences on signs. Don't ask rhetorical questions, Pastor Grant. <laughs> You're allowed to answer when I ask. Don't answer when Chloe asks. <laughs> All right. Conferences on signs and wonders, conferences on healing, conferences on faith, conferences on prosperity, how to live in the prosperity of God. I don't know if I've ever seen a conference on love. Why? I think even those of us, I don't think it's the Holy Spirit saying don't hold conferences on love. 
I think it's us not getting excited about what it looks to walk in love and the victory that, that enables in our life and our relationship. The Bible says faith works by love. Faith working by love. It talks about, in Ephesians 3, it talks about God putting dunamis in your heart. The prayer he puts power in your heart so that you can know the love of Christ. It must be powerful for us to, our hearts to need to be strengthened to know it. And so over the years I've noticed um, as ministries mature, and I'm still young, you know, when you're 30s, you still make naive things, you know, but, but I know as ministries, thank you, Sarawa, as ministries mature, they tend often will focus more and more on love. In the life of Jesus, he taught lots of things. You know, the Beatitudes are wonderful. He must have taught them. He did teach them on healing, going and praying for the sick and preaching the gospel. But in his last sermon to his disciples... One, he introduced the Holy Spirit to them because the Holy Spirit was to come. He introduced his role as a counselor, comforter, guide. And two, he focused on John 14 to 17. He focused on love. He had to love each other. And then he prayed, John 17. Father, they've heard me, they've seen me, they've known your name so that, they may, that your love may be in them as it's in me, that they may know, listen to this, John 17, that they may know that you love them as you love me. And so his last sermon, his teaching series, that he emphasized, he repeated the teaching on love. He introduced the Holy Spirit, repeated the teaching on love. And we look at the life of... Uh, the life of John. John was known, I'm touching on some things we did last week, so. Uh, the life of John, he started off described as the son of thunder. And he finished the early church being described as the apostle of love. The early church tells us that these last years as a minister of the gospel, every time they asked him to speak, he asked him, he spoke on love. Having love, walking in love, the victory that love comes. And you can get little snippets there when you read on John. Love is perfected in us. We have no fear of judgment because of love. When you love the brethren, the life of God is in you. There's little, all those, I think in John, were little sermon headings that he had. He would have been, he got no, I, I, I hear a rumor that he'd never got invited to a healing or prosperity conference again because he'd always get up there and he'd preach on love. He's got one sermon, love. So it's a sign of maturing. If you want to know how you're going in your Christian walk, how's your love walk? How you handle being offended? Are you getting offended easy? Can you, uh, are you patient? Are you kind? Do you suffer long? Now, we all suffer long, but do we suffer long patiently and kindly? I just, that, you know, often when I'm suffering long, I'm not, not suffering long patiently or kindly. You know what I mean? All right? I know no one hears like that. So it's the sign of a growing, of a growing faith. Now, so love is, love is the per 
perfection and maturity in us. The Apostle Paul featured love when he was talking to the the Corinthian church and they had lots of spiritual things happening, signs and wonders happening. They're all talking about how they blab on the church and whether they prophesy or how long. You just correct me if I mispronounce something. Just feel free. Okay. And then, and then he said, but hang on, guys, just settle down. He said, he said, you want to know what is greater than anything? Walk in love. You want to know how to use the gifts of the Spirit? Well, how would love use the gift of the Spirit? in that church service. If there's non-Christians come in or people who, who don't speak in tongues or don't understand it, would love stand and blab in their ear? No, it wouldn't. And so he says, those of you who are mature, you think you're spiritual, walk in love. 1 Corinthians 14. So it's kind of important. It's kind of important. Well, there's human love and there's the love of God. It says in Ephesians 3, it prays that our heart would be enlarged and enriched and empowered so that we would know the love of Christ. That expression of means his love that flows from him. And they're different. The woman who was caught in adultery, she would have been looking for love. The first steps. A human love and the God kind of love. Human love is really our need for love and our expression of love fallen. Human love is part of the nature of God that is in every person, Christian or non-Christian, that God-shaped heart that they have, the need to give love and the need to receive love. But human love adds to it selfishness. It adds to it selfishness and self-righteousness. So it becomes conditional. It comes with a long list of terms and conditions. If, when, when you, if you say you're sorry, I'm going to put these terms, and that's human love. Turn with me, we're going to look at the God kind of love, and I know you're probably sitting there, or if you're like me, you're sitting there, well, how, how am I going to walk in the God kind of love? Well, there's good news comes after this. But we're just going to look at the God kind of love, the love that God has that comes from him. So turn to 1 Corinthians 13. I don't think we have Amplified over there. I'm going to read it in Elisa's Amplified Bible because it highlights some things. This is the kind of love that God has, he has for us, and the kind of love that equips us to walk for others. If I speak, 1 Corinthians 13, you can follow it in your Bible. Mine's going to have some extra words in there. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, love for others, growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, uh, in, in the time there was some of the... Um, some of the spiritual traditions were, especially uh, some in the, um, in the demonic uh, cults uh, and temple worship, is they had, they had uh, little clanging and they had brass cymbals and, and clanging things and they would go around and, and their idea was that if they made enough noise that, that they would get the attention of the gods. And, but I'm sure a lot of it was if they made enough noise, people will see how spiritual I am. And... Uh, 
you know, uh, we've all been guilty of that one way or another, and maybe not with little tinkers and brass things. Although, I, uh, the first uh, meeting I went to in Nigeria, I was going to really look forward to this worship service. And uh, I didn't realize that one of the favorite instruments in Ni Nigeria is a cowbell. And so along the front of the, of the, uh, of the service, there was a few hundred people in the service, were these, these people with cowbells. And so they would ring these bells, ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. And you know, I love Nigerians, they're beautiful people, but they've got one volume, it's 110%. And I couldn't hear the words, and my ears were ringing, and it was, to me, it was like this, a noisy, clanging bell. So if we act spiritually and do spiritual things, but we don't have love, we're just like the people that went around announcing their spirituality, and all it was was an empty, clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I speak the word of God and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can move mountains, but do, do not have love, I have nothing. It does me no good and doesn't do anyone else any good. I could even give all my possessions to feed the poor if I surrender my body to be burned but I do not have love, it will do me no good at all. It looks like we're actually going to be judged on our love walk, as in what we get to take into heaven with us. If it's not of love, it's not going there. I'm glad about that. Love endures all things with patience and serenity. Well, I, you know, some of us, like I said, some of us can get uh, pretty good at enduring, putting up with things. I've put up with you. I've put up with this now. That's not serenity. That's not serenity. You know how long, how many years you've been doing that? How many years you've been putting your dirty socks in the corner? Love doesn't put dirty socks in corners. But love endures. Who'd like some of that love? I'd like some of that love. To be able to endure, unchanged, the word means patience. It means when strife and things come against you, you're unchanged. That's love. This is the God kind of love. We can actually go through this, and we probably don't have time to go through this, and just say, this is how God loves me. God puts up with me. With serenity. <laughs> he endures me. He doesn't change towards me. That's what the word means. Patient means not changing under circumstances. It's kind. It's thoughtful. It's not jealous. It's not envious. It does not brag. Sometimes I think you see some sunrises and sunsets around here. You think, oh, God's showing off again. And, you know, he's really showing us how much he loves us. It does not brag. It's not rude. It doesn't seek itself. It's not provoked. It's not touchy. I think one translation says touchy. You know, when you get, like, sometimes, you know, you're in the flesh. You've got this flesh, your flesh meter, like a little barometer we need to carry around. On one end is love, on the other end is flesh. And you get touchy and sensitive about that's the flesh side of it. And the 
high side is the love side. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong done. You know, James says he gives generously to all and he, he does so without reproach. It doesn't take into account a wrong done to it. It doesn't say, well, I'll give you this or I'll bless you or I'll be nice to you until you tell me, not until you say sorry for what you did. Or I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder because you hurt me. And that's human love, and that's understandable, isn't it? It's understandable. It's understandable in our flesh, but that's self-righteousness. That's self-love. The God kind of love, the God kind of love doesn't take account. God's love doesn't change for us no matter what we have done. Doesn't rejoice in injustice, it rejoices in truth. Love bears up under all things. It's prepared to believe all things in people. One translation says it's prepared to be always ready to believe, prepared to believe the best in people. It hopes all things, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails I want some of that kind of love that's the kind of love that's Christian maturity who wants some of that kind of love wouldn't it be much nicer I tell you you'd be much nicer to live with <laughs> and, and but we'd be much nicer sowing that kind of love into our relationships and into our community and for each other Praise God. Well, I, uh, in the natural, I think perhaps the best expression that I've seen or I'm aware of, the God kind of love just happening naturally is a, a mother's love for her child. And um, you see it uh, often especially the mother, but fathers too, how they'll lay down, especially when children are young like this, young age, and when you're just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving because you want what's best. Love wants what's best for the object of its love and is prepared to give what's best. And you know, when children are young, you know, until they get up to six, eight weeks or whatever, they can't uh, give much back. And so you're just loving, you're just loving, you're just pouring out and you're loving uh, we, um, this really hit me. Uh, our first child was Lauren. Some of you have met Lauren. And uh, after Lauren, uh, uh, Linda got pregnant with a, uh, had a second pregnancy. And then our second child is Luke. So that wasn't Luke. It was in between Lauren and Luke. And then uh, Linda was very, very sick with it. And then with this pregnancy, and then she went in. I think you're like six or seven, six weeks. So they went in for an ultrasound. And they came out to us and they said, there's no heartbeat. I said, she, she, I said they said, the, you know, the, the, the uh, fetus is, is dead. It's just a clump of cells. There's no heartbeat. And Linda had been so, it was one of those pregnancies that just the hormones are going all over the place and just vomiting uh, 20 times a day, head in a bucket, you know, through the night and just vomiting. And it was horrible. It was horrible. 
and uh, they said, let's do a, what is it, an E, an e and C, rem remove it. Well, you know, we knew and Linda knew that sometimes a heartbeat doesn't start, it's about that six-week mark. And so she said, no, I'm going to give it another week. And I saw the love of Christ in a mother for that unborn, unseen, unknown child. When all the doctors said, no, it's dead, it's dead, it was probably never, never grew. And yet for that next week, she put up with it, vomiting day and night, night and day, dawn and evening. And for love to give that little baby a chance. And uh, when we went back a, a week later, it, it had shrunk. So the, you know, the growth had shrunk. So they said it's dead. So they, uh, they miscarried it. But, you know, it's interesting because the God kind of love in us, even when it's costing us, it still gives. It cost God to love us, didn't it? So where do we get that love? Well, the good news is this love comes, comes from God and is imparted to us. So in Romans 5.5, 5, it says this up there. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This love of God is part of the nature of God that when we're born again, we become receptacles of it and Christ is in us. But also when we receive the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the nature of God, the Bible says, is poured into our hearts. And so we, one, we need to believe all those things it says in 1 Corinthians 13 are poured into us the love of God is, is shared abroad into our heart. Chloe was telling me about someone she met recently who had recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they said, she said, what's the biggest change that you notice? And you would think it would be, you know, if you're Pentecostal church, well, it's prophesying, it's speaking in tongues, it's raising the dead. And they said, it's love. The love at home. The love in my life. Because his love has been shed abroad in our heart. And you know it's there. One minister told me about this. He'd been preaching on this. And he said, if you, if you hate the mother-in-law, your mother-in-law, you're not in love. All right? Or you're a murderer. The Bible says who, who he hates is a murderer. He said, if you hate your mother-in-law, you're a murderer. Well, she had, he had lunch with these pastors afterwards. And the wife was looking very sheepish. And uh, she said, I, she said, uh, I've got a problem with what you said. And he said to her, no, you've always had that problem. I just highlighted it. Uh, he said, I hate my mother-in-law. He said, do you? I don't think you do. She said, well, I, I, he said, say this. Say, I hate my mother-in-law. And then listen down here. So she said, I hate my mother-in-law. He said, what do you feel? She said, I feel something uncomfortable happening down there. He said, that's the love of God. Because the real you doesn't. The real you, the love of God, is shared abroad in your heart. We have the love of God. We just 
need to start believing that we have it and start exercising it. We need to make a positive decision in situation when we're feeling strifed or we're feeling anxious. And we need to uh, claim the love of God. We're going to talk more about it in weeks to come because I just got through halfway through my sermon and time's up. Everything else was the introduction. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We have that 1 Corinthians 13 love. And we can walk on it. Just turn with me, finally, last thing. Turn with me to um, Ephesians 3. We're going to pray that prayer, which is a prayer for us. I'd encourage you to go home and pray this prayer every day. In fact, if you really want to change your walk, Pray this prayer, 1 Corinthians, sorry, Romans, sorry, Ephesians. I was going to get it. And then go and get, get, get 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified and, and go over it. I was talking, I was talking, it was some time ago now, uh, to a, hu- a husband who was going through a separation. He said to me, what can I do? I said to him, do this. I said, get, get Ephesians 3 and get 1 Corinthians 13 and go over it and claim it for yourself and say, I do this, I do that. And he looked at me very disappointed because I, I think he was just expecting me to cast a devil out of him or something like that. Just click my fingers to restore the marriage and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until we claim what God's given to us. So 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, For this reason I bow my knees. And we can say this with me. Say this with me. For this reason, I bow my knees. Say it. For this reason, I bow my knees. From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. That he would grant to me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith and being rooted and grounded in love. I would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that I may be filled up with the fullness of God. Romans 5, 5, we can claim it. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. It's shed abroad in our heart. We have that love. We have that supernatural love. It comes from God. It's the nature of God. We need to start looking and acting like our heavenly father and walking in that love. And when, when strife comes against us, say, no, I've got the love of God in me. Don't receive it. Strife comes knocking at your door. Anger comes knocking at your door. Self-righteous. Hurts come. Love is not easily hurt. Hurts come knocking. I know. I have the love of God. The love of God is shed, poured out in my heart. It should just make that confession. You feel like telling someone off, giving them a piece of your mind? Give them a piece of your love. You can't do it, turn around, look in the mirror and say, the love of God is in me. The love of God is in me. The love of God is in me. Grin it, act it, speak on it. 
It comes. It rises up within us. Praise God. We are love children of love God. We walk in love. Thank you, Pastor God.